At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back into my guys in the desert here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network. Brady Cannon and Amal Shah with you on a Tuesday, talking a little football in the last hour, breaking down the AFC West division, home to our own Las Vegas Raiders. Of course, the Kansas City Chiefs, fairly heavy favorite in that division. And we got into the discussion a little bit of the AFC North, Amal, and we were talking about Lamar Jackson, his future as the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. Is he going to be able to really get the ball downfield with his arm rather than his legs? You and I both are kind of down on the Pittsburgh Steelers, but how about those Cleveland Browns? They had a great season last year, ended up losing that playoff game to the Kansas City Chiefs, but I thought it was a great story to see this team really become competitive. We've kind of been waiting for them for it seems like a couple of seasons now, uh, and, and it really came home in 2020 for the Cleveland Browns. Are they going to be able to build upon that, or do you expect them to regress a little bit? Listen, uh, when you look at Baker Mayfield over the last eight games of the season, he was our arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. He was tremendous in terms of what he was able to do. I think the Browns will build upon it. You get OBJ in there healthy. I think Jarvis Landry is a guy that gets kind of forgotten. Remember the first four years in the league, he set the NFL record for most receptions in first four years until it was broken by Michael Thomas of the Saints. And I look at the running back combination between Chubb and Hunt. It's the best combo in the NFL. I love their running backs yeah. and their offensive line. 
You know, people forget when Nick Chubb had that t- terrible knee injury in Knoxville at Tennessee, I think he was a guy that got forgotten. But the Browns realized that they drafted him in the second round, and he has exceeded expectations, and he has been able to deliver. He's a tough, tough runner, and you have a one-two combination, and nobody's got an ego there. This team has a chance to be very effective. They're very balanced. Do you think the AFC North is the toughest division in the AFC? Uh, yeah, without question, because when you look at the AFC. I think the AFC West is. So do you think the Broncos or the Raiders are better than the Steelers? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I, so I I'm going to go surprised. with no based on I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those teams. Now, I mean, the Steelers have that historical organization where they really rarely ever fall off the, off the map. No, but right? they, were the, they were in the playoffs last year. Yeah, but I mean, that team was pretty bad, right? Towards the end of the year. I, I don't disagree, but you're, so if I said to you right now, season win totals, you well, would take I, the Broncos and the, and the Raiders over the Steelers. Let, let, me, let, let me maybe rephrase this a different sure. way. I think maybe the AFC West is more competitive. You, you've got the Chiefs way out front, but I, I really think the Chargers, the Broncos, or the Raiders could possibly win that division, whereas the AFC North, I think it comes down to the Browns and the Ravens, and that's it. You and I tend to agree. The odds makers don't agree with that. They've got the Browns at three and a half to one here. They've got the Chargers. And I agree with your point on that division being a little bit top heavy. But you look at the rest of the division. I mean, to me, I still think that, yeah, I I get that those teams are probably better than the Bengals. They're better than the Bengals. But I still think the Steelers are tough. Nobody wants to go to Heinz Field to play. Yeah. And when you look at this division, if you're the Browns and you're the Ravens, and if you go four and two, you've had a good division record. Whereas I think the Kansas City Chiefs, if they can win in Los Angeles, they're probably 6-0 and in the division. All right. It is Open Championship Week, the 149th edition of the British Open, or the Open Championship, if you prefer. It will tee off this Thursday along the coast of Kent in Sandwich, England, at Royal St. George's. And John Rahm is your betting favorite. He is currently in the neighborhood of 8 or 9 to 1. Brooks Kepka, major champion. Brooks Kepka, of course, he just seems to get it done year in and year out at major championships. Of course, he finished second to Milf. Uh, Phil Mickelson at the PGA Championship at Kiowa Island in South Carolina. Backed that up with a trip to Torrey Pines in La Jolla and finished fourth at the United States Open. Amal, I know you're you're a big and I think these these markets are kind of correlated. It seems like there are tennis bettors and there are golf bettors. Now, everybody bets football and baseball and basketball, but then there's you and I in these niche markets like tennis and golf, right? Yeah. I think what the thing is to me, you know, it's hard to kind of keep up with everything. So you find what your niche is. Like, I know you're an avid golfer. I, last time I golfed was 2006, so I don't have that much interest in golf in particular. But I, I think, you know, when you look around, the one thing that makes golf a little bit more intriguing to the average person is a lot more people play golf than they do tennis. And also, it's just a little bit easier to follow because three of the four majors take place in the United States. Mm-hmm. And the Open Championship, remember, the time difference in England, especially with the East Coast, is only, you only have a three-hour difference, excuse me, a five-hour difference between New York and London. So it makes it a lot easier if you're following this one taking place in Sandwich, England, whereas opposed to a lot of the tournaments when they go on in Australia and uh, obviously England and France makes it a little bit more challenging. Open Championship Week is always my wife's favorite week of the entire year because I spend the uh, four days on my couch in the middle of the night (laughs) watching at midnight, 3 a.m., what have you, on Open Championship Week. Welcome back to My Guys in the Desert in VEASAN on VEASAN.com, the Sports Betting Network 
for those of you just joining us, Brady Cannon and Amal Shah with you talking about the final major of the season this year that will take place at Royal St. George's again along the coast in Kent of Sandwich, England. And John Rahm, your betting favorite, Brooks Kepka, we talked about, Jordan Spieth. All the usual suspects are going to be here, Amal. Now, I, I know you don't pay attention or, or bet as much golf, but do you watch the four majors? You know, for me, I always say the Masters is my favorite in April, and then the Open Championship is my favorite in July. I just love the – it seems so pure. When you, when you go to Scotland, you go to Ireland or England or whatever, where golf began, of course, and watching these guys deal with the elements and a totally different type of landscape, uh, I think the Open Championship is uh, really fascinating. i, I got to give you a quick story on a cardinal sin I committed for all you golf aficionados. A friend of mine got married at Pebble Beach. Mm-hmm. And so when you get married at Pebble Beach, you're only limited to 30 people you can invite. Oh, wow. It's very small. So I said to him, I said, you don't have anyone else you want to invite instead of me? Because I'm like, it doesn't hold the same prestige for me that it would for someone like yourself, right? You're like, you know, I have a lot of friends that I have a friend of mine. He's getting ready to go play Pebble later on this year. And, you know, for them, it's like the pilgrimage. For me, it's like, hey, it doesn't make a difference. Is that where you played in 2006? No, 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 no. I, that was at the uh, La Paloma down in Tucson, at the Westin down in uh, Tucson. But... I, you know, it's funny. When I was in Dallas, I had access to tremendous golf courses, and I, I would help a couple of my friends get on the course, but I would never go play. But to answer your question, the only way I'm tuning in on the final day is if we're at, like, hole 15, 16, or 17, and it's it's a one-stroke lead for somebody. Now, it helps when Tiger was there. There was a huge Tiger impact, right? Mm-hmm. You would watch. I still remember when Rocco Mediate and uh, Tiger had the U.S. Open when they went into the playoff. Wasn't that awesome? That was unbelievable. But other Pines, where yeah, they just played. And, uh, but other than that, uh, no, I am not going to be tuning in for golf. I'll be waiting for the NFL and college football. All right. Well, we can go down some of the uh, board here as far as my plays, if you want them all. Absolutely. I, you know, I, before we get into that, Brady, I want to kind of get your idea because I've never made a golf bet. Okay. I, I will tell you one that I am looking at is no hole in one. Yeah. And the reason why, because it's I haven't looked at the course so far in terms of where the par threes are, mm-hmm. but I'll go through it and I'll look at it. Probably what are you going to have, three par threes or four? You'll have four. Four, yeah. okay. So you got four par threes there. So I'll take a look at that. But um, aside from that, how do you handicap for someone who's either new or not as well-versed? And, you know, obviously 99.9% of the people are not going to have your depth of knowledge. But in terms of handicapping, what is it that you look for just off the top to kind of get people to gauge in on where they want to look? The first thing I do is consider the course that we're playing. And obviously, this is Royal St. George's in Sandwich, England. So you try and find out what that course is going to present. What difficulties is it going to present? Uh, is it more of a course where you favor guys that are good off the tee? Is it, is it a course that's going to require a great short game? Do you have to be a great putter there? You know, it's interesting, Amal. It's very similar to – do you ever bet NASCAR at all? I do not. It's kind of similar to NASCAR betting, and I've learned a lot about that with Steve Mackinnon and a lot of our NASCAR experts around the network, Jeff Coliandro, Brandon Gone. And, uh, you know, you take a look at a, at a racetrack where these guys are going to race at every week. And I didn't know this, but the racetracks are also very different and favor a different type of driver. And some guys are really good at this type of track, a road course or an oval or what have you. I I don't really know all the lingo, but it's very similar to, I think, handicapping a golf tournament.
tournament where you first want to look at that track they're racing on, if you will, and you try and figure out which type of golfers are going to succeed at that course. So maybe you pick out four or five different skill sets, uh, hitting greens and regulation, uh, strokes gained approach, scrambling, putting, whatever you think, and, and you can find this on the internet, just you know, finding out what type of golf course it, it is, and you look at past history, what type of players have won there in the past, and you can kind of figure out you know, what skill sets are maybe going to be prolific or, or can uh, lead to predicting success at this particular course. And then you isolate those three, four, five, six, seven different skill sets. And, and then you start to collect data on which golfers are really good in those areas. And that's probably where I kind of start. And then you'll start to see things develop as you put together your numbers. You're like, oh, my gosh, this guy seems to be a great fit for this course. And then, then you start to look at course history. Has he done well there in the past? Oh, yeah, he has. You know, so that, that type of thing. You know, I, I like what our executive producer, Brian Rogers, does. Every major, he takes 10 players that he bets on. Mm-hmm. And he bets the same amount on them. And so everybody outside of John Rahm is at 14 to 1 or better. So you're at least going to make a profit if any one of those 10 hits. Correct. Um, But I want to ask you about head-to-head matchups. Forget Thursday. When you get into Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, are you, how much value or stock are you putting into the performance based on what they've done in the first 18, maybe 36 or 54? You know, it's a great question, and I got to tell you, it's a real weakness of mine is betting individual round head-to-head matchups. I basically only – sometimes I might bet a head-to-head on a Sunday uh, if I can see a clear-cut – you know, advantage for one player or another. And and it's usually kind of, you know, the point you're leading to. If one guy on Saturday goes out and shoots a 62, he's likely not going to repeat that on Sunday. So he would be a go against. So there's, there are situations like that, but actually head to head matchups are a real strength of mine for the full tournament, not the individual rounds. And I always equate this to betting a football game. When you're handicapping the Steelers versus the Patriots, Amal, you have a good feel for how this game is going to play out. And you're crunching numbers and whatever your routine is, you're saying, you know what, the Steelers catching three and a half. I really like that. You're, you may or may not necessarily bet the Steelers in the first quarter or the second quarter or the third quarter, but you have an idea of how your handicap is going to manifest over the entire ball game. And that's the same thing for me when I'm breaking down these golf courses and these golf players, you know, which guys fit this course the best and everything. I'm kind of trying to tell myself that I have an idea that this is what's going to happen over the course of four days. Eventually, this guy's strengths and weaknesses are going to manifest. And so I'll take a player that I see in a particular matchup that I that I might want to go against versus a player that I happen to like and say, OK, I think over the course of four days, my guy is going to pan out as the better player at this golf course. And so that's why I don't like to bet the individual matchups, because over 18 holes, anything could happen. But over the course of 72 holes, maybe what I'm thinking will happen will indeed unfold. That's a great point you make there. One final question I want to ask you in terms of the majors. How much stock do you put into a pedigree guys previously having won at a particular major? Not that same course, obviously, but just in terms of what they've done in the past. Because I think John Rahm now, I used to joke around actually, uh, Wayne Krivsky, a friend of the show, he always bets um, you know, these futures. And he had John Rahm. And Wayne and I were at lunch, and I said... Yeah, I don't know about John Rahm. He can't win anything in majors. I'm not a big golf guy, but I know John Rahm had been struggling. Then, of course, he goes out and wins the last major. Uh, From your perspective, though, in terms of, you know, Tiger always has an edge. 
pedigree success, Phil Mickelson winning. Look, obviously at his age, it comes as a surprise, but I think because of his past track record, it shouldn't be as much of a shock. I think it's when somebody's a kind of a Johnny-come-lately is where the surprise comes in. No, you're absolutely right. I, I think to win a major championship, you and you know this with tennis too, you have to have built up some scar tissue. You, Great point. You have to have gone through the battles, and and I think a lot of the uh, points you can, you can look at for having success in a major championship is, have you played on a Ryder Cup team? Have you been in that cauldron? Have you been down the stretch on a Sunday at Augusta and come up short? You know, have you even won a PGA tournament before? Uh, So I I think you have to go through all of those levels, building blocks, if you will, before you get to the ultimate prize. And you know what? You know, every now and then we we see kind of an outlier. I mean, Colin Morikawa won the PGA Championship last summer, uh, his first major ever. Uh, He had only had three PGA Tour wins on tour before that. Uh, And and now he was always figured as absolutely a world-class player. So it didn't come as a total surprise. And he was playing very well. But I think that also speaks to the talent that we have in the game right now, Amal, versus when Tiger Woods played. I mean, you look at Tiger Woods. He competed against Phil Mickelson, Vijay Singh, Ernie Els, and David Duvall. No one else had a chance to beat him. There's 50 guys that could win this tournament this week. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's... And you you get more random happenings, like, uh, you know, a a 23-year-old Jordan Spieth winning the Open Championship or the U.S. Open. So it... Yes, I put a lot of weight in guys that are battle tested and experienced and and I think experience probably means more than anything or or more so here at the British Open experience is a factor and also the Masters, the US Open and the PGA Championship. I think you're more likely to get a random winner. The British Open, because it's link style golf, it's a different style of golf that all these guys are not used to playing. What, it, what does link style mean for people like myself links, that don't know? Right. If you if you look at a, a basic golf course in the United States, it's it's basically a man-made, constructed type of park with you know dog legs in this direction and sand traps and that type of thing. A link style is is kind of a rolling, contoured uh, extension of the land. They t- they typically come their seaside, right? You've seen the British Opens before. This one you'll see this week is on the coast of Kent, again, in Sandwich, England. And the the sea there comes right up into the land. It was kind of like the PGA Championship at Kiowa, where that sand just came right up into the dunes and and the native grasses. And so it's almost like Mother Nature designs the course rather than architect. Okay, And and playing with the bumps and hills and nuances of just something that is not man-made and manufactured is a you have to figure out it's a different way to play golf then and this is kind of a simple answer too for you Amal in America most golfers will attack a golf course from the air they want to hit a ball as high as they can and have it land softly on the green in a British Open or a Lynx style you're basically playing along the ground uh, coming up from high above ground, you're often going to get in trouble with the wind. You have the wind coming off the sea and that type of thing, and you're really not able to judge where your shot is going to end up as well as you are in America. So a link style design, you're you're really being pressed to have a lower ball flight and play more along the ground. And, and again, that goes to my point that I think it takes experience more so than some of the other major championships because you have to learn – Phil Mickelson used to hit a really, really high ball and and could never do well at the British Open. And then he finally figured it out, and he won one in 2013. And I think that's true for the Masters as well. There was a trend there for a long, long time that you had 
I want to say it was 20-some past Masters winners, nobody had won the Masters until they had played there at least six times. So they had to figure that out. And the Masters and the British Open, I think, are related in the sense that they both take a lot of creativity. There's a lot of different shots that you don't see at every other golf course or every other major championship that you have to become accustomed to playing, and and it takes experience. So, you know, in, in your handicap of the British Open, yes, there are probably going to be some newbies on that leaderboard, but... Look at the guys that win this thing. Darren Clark, when he was, you know, in his late 30s, might have been even in his early 40s. Phil Mickelson, at a course that was very British Open-like, wins it, you know, when he's nearly 51 years old. Uh, Tom Watson uh, competed at 57 years old at a British Open. So uh, you, you don't necessarily see the young bucks winning British Opens all the time. It typically goes to a guy that has more experience. I can tell you this much. I will be interested if we get a, what is it, 99 at Carnoustie, where John Vandeveld uh, shot a six on the final hole. <laughs> I have always said ever since then, it's a bad sign if you find yourself taking off your shoes during a round of golf. That is for sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for people that are unfamiliar with it, I don't know what his lead was. I think it was a three-shot lead going into the final hole. I think hole. that's correct, yes. And he ends up uh, shooting a six on that one, losing in a playoff uh, Paul Lowry. But to me, uh, I would watch if I knew something like that was going to happen. Oh, yeah. No, I don't understand. I mean, he should have played it safe, win himself a major championship. Yeah, he hit a driver famously off the 18th tee, uh, got in some trouble, and I, and I think you're right. I think he did make a triple bogey to force a playoff. Yeah. I mean, the guy could have made double bogey in one. Yeah, I'm sure him and Joe Pasarczyk are somewhere having a beer together. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, uh, yeah, so like I say, as far as my beginning for handicapping golf, I like to look at the course, and uh, I related again to NASCAR, which kind of driver is going to be suited for that particular course? What kind of skill sets should play out at that particular course? And then, then I look at course history, to your point. Do you yeah. look at pedigree and, you know, have guys done well here at the past? And this is, you know, a British Open. We play a new course just about every 10 years. So you're looking more at British Open history rather than just history at Royal St. George's in this case. And then I also look at current form, Amal, and, and sometimes you get an outlier where a guy that's been in awful form all of a sudden shows up. But I'm sure you know that in tennis as well. If you've got a player that's running really hot, you're probably liable to bet on him in the upcoming tournament. You are, but at the end of the day, on the men's side, women's side, definitely. Men's side, Novak, Roger, and Rafa have won 60 majors. During that time, Stan Wawrinka won three, Andy Murray won three, uh, Chilich won one, and now Dominic Team. So it's kind of hard. In 15 of the last 17 years, you've had three guys win everything. Yeah, I think I saw a stat when uh, Djokovic just won Wimbledon that 60 out of the last 71 majors have been won by those three guys. Joker, Federer, and Rafa. Yeah, exactly. Dominance. You know, Wes Reynolds seems to make the argument, I've seen him as of late say that Jokovic is the greatest tennis player of all time. Do you think it's Djokovic, uh, Federer, Nadal, anybody else? I, I No, I think it's those three. Uh, the only reason I'm going to argue Federer right now is just because uh, Novak's career is not over. But when you look at it, Novak's got a winning record against uh, Rafa and against Roger. And he's got a chance to do something none of them have done. The last person in any side, men's or women, has done it. It was 88, Steffi Graf won. She won the Steffi Slam. She won the Olympics. Uh, so I think that was Seoul in 88. She won gold there as well as along the four majors. So Novak's got a chance in Tokyo. 
and, of course, in Flushing Meadows to be able to win a Grand Slam. I cannot wait. Flushing Meadows is going to be rocking in terms of the U.S. Open with someone with a chance to go for the slam. Coco Goff, that's my girl. I think she's going to get one soon. I think she's getting ready, and we talk about that in golf. When you get you, you build up some scar tissue, I, I think she's starting to mature to the point where she's ready to be a major champion. I, I got a quick question for you. Tiger's, Tiger's an aberration, but do you think Jordan Spieth's success at such a young age was almost kind of a deterrent for him moving forward for a couple of years? Tough question. I'll tell you one thing. I think Jordan Spieth's going to win it this week. I hope you're right. Dallas, Texas. He's out of Dallas. Dallas, Texas. Hook him. Jordan Spieth is definitely on my card. We'll get back with some more of my plays that made my outright card for the Open Championship coming up on Thursday in England. We'll be right back. It's my guys in the desert with Amal and Brady right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows, including Follow the Money, a numbers game, My Guys in the Desert, and the Lombardi Line with VSIN Best Bets. Download Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, Long Shots, Gone Racing, and the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. They're all free and available now at vsin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. It was in the uh, earlier part of the show, Amal, that we talked about the Big 12 Conference. You seemed a little disinterested. Maybe the uh, Pac-12 Conference will uh, perk you up a little bit. <laughs> we'll take a look at uh, some of the odds here to win the Pac-12. They played a shortened season in 2020, all the COVID concerns and whatnot. The folks in the Pac-12 only completed seven games, if you recall, Amal. And at the top of the board are the Oregon Ducks to win this conference at plus 250, the Washington Huskies. At plus 350, USC at 4-1, to one, Arizona State at 4-1, to one, Utah 7-1. to one. And then it starts to get a little deeper with the UCLA Bruins at 12-1. to one. But I tell you, almost half this board here, it's pretty tight if you look at the numbers between, say, Oregon and UCLA. They're closely packed. It really is, but I'm a little bit surprised to see Washington as the second favorite to win this league. Big question mark for me how Jimmy Lake's team is going to perform going forward. Uh, I know defensively they'll be very solid, but I'm not 100% certain that this is a team that I would be looking to finish second. Remember, Oregon and Washington both on the same side of the bracket, so that's going to be one of those teams that will come out of that division. USC, Arizona State. Arizona State, this was a game last year. Remember, Jaden Daniels had a late turnover, cost Arizona State. They were in every game. Uh, when you look at Herm Edwards in that program, they're going in the right direction. USC, this should be a good year for Clay Helton to be able to bounce back because Oregon, you're going to have Anthony Brown, the BC transfer there under center. I'm not particularly high on him. Keep an eye out for Ty Thompson, the freshman quarterback. This kid should be able to make an impact for the Ducks, so it should be a lot of fun to see how they go uh, in terms of the top of the league. Utah is always extremely well coached. Uh, I want to see what Kyle Whittingham's team is able to do. They lose some talent off the squad last year, but should still be very solid. I think UCLA is a good dark horse this year. Chip Kelly, another year there in Westwood, but this team should be better. They've got a tough one in the opener against LSU. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. They're catching four points. That seems kind of sneaky to me. No, I, I love the Bruins on the money line. Okay. Uh, when right. you look at wow. LSU, who's the quarterback? We know Ed Orgeron. He's, he's the Larry Coker of the SEC. He inherits a great team, gets Joe Burrow to come in there. We know Ed O can recruit. We, he could recruit when he was at Ole Miss and he was at USC, but he can't coach. And that's, that's the problem with LSU right now. And the big question mark for them is who's going to be the trigger man there? UCLA, I like this team. They're very solid. Remember, they went into Oregon and they dominated the Ducks at Austin. It's never easy to be able to do. Blew the game against Stanford late in the year at home. Uh, they this lost team, a lot of close ones. They I believe did. it was close with USC in the season finale. Yeah, absolutely. They should have won that game as well. I forgot about that. So this team could be dangerous. You know, I thought Cal was going to be good last year under uh, uh, Justin, uh, I'm drawing a blank, uh, Wilcox. Uh, his good defense, coach. Yeah, very good coach, but defensively, they weren't as good last year as I thought they'd be. Still some question marks. Don't like Chase Garbers at the quarterback position. Colorado, long way to go there with Carl Durrell and company. Oregon State and uh, Arizona, both programs, really, they, they missed the early 2000s. But I, I think Colorado absolutely exceeded expectations last year in Durrell's first season. They were competitive in that seven-game schedule. I love Arizona State. Kind of a rebirth for the career for Herm Edwards, right? And you brought up Kyle Whittingham and Utah. 
I mean, I, I think if I was going, and I love that you're a backer of UCLA. I thought that first game against LSU was very interesting. That's the first weekend, Labor Day weekend in college football. And it was released here as a game of the year by Chris Andrews at South Point. And UCLA was a two-point underdog. And then they released, you know, the entire weekend, of that opening weekend for college football. Yeah. That happened, uh, I believe, just uh, late last week. And LSU became a four-point favorite. So they've seen initial action on the Tigers there in that contest. And I thought that one looked a little funny to me. But if I was going to make a bet to win the division right now, Amal, I might take a look. And this is basically just based on numbers and, and past history. I would look at Arizona State and Utah at 4-1 to one and 7-1, to one respectively, based on what Herm Edwards has done the past couple of seasons. And Kyle Winningham, I mean, this guy never has a very lousy team. Well, I, I, listen, Whittingham to me is probably the best coach in this league. I, I get Chip Kelly, but he hasn't been able to deliver so far in Westwood compared to what he did in Eugene. Uh, Clay Helton, I'm always grateful that he's at USC, and I hope they give him a lifetime contract. When you look at the Whittingham and what he's been able to do, Salt Lake is not necessarily the easiest place to recruit to. Remember, them and uh, CU play in a different time zone. You're like, what's the difference? It, listen, it's a little bit of a factor. You want people that are familiar with your area. They're, they're not necessarily in the same area in terms of recruiting to be able to go to Southern California as easily as Oregon and UW do. Uh, I think what Jimmy Lake's going to do up at UW is the big question mark. Can he be as successful as his predecessor and Chris Peterson? Remember, they made the college football playoff. By the way, I, I, man, you guys are killing me. You're giving me six minutes to talk about the pathetic 12? Come on. <laughs> He's not done yet. We'll be back with Dave Ross right here on My Guys in the Desert. Welcome back from the OddsTrader.com studio at the South Point Hotel, Casino, and Spa. Go to OddsTrader.com. Download the free OddsTrader app right now. Start winning with up to the second info you need. Amal, uh, we're going to talk some more football, but we're going to shift from the college gridiron over to the pros. You going to be all right with that? As long as we're talking football, I'm fine. I mean, listen, I can talk a plethora of different things, but we're bringing an experienced guy like Dave Ross in here. I'm fired up. But yeah. I, If you want to talk more Pac-12, I love hearing your hot takes on that, because I, I loved your your, more, your point about Clay Helton is right on with I, USC. Listen, to me, USC should be the most dominant program yes. in college football. Yeah, you should have heard him for the Big 12. That that take on the Pac-12 was calm. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Our man Dave Ross is here from Chicago. You can follow him on Twitter at DRossSports. He's a host with Stadium. And we want to talk a little Chicago Bears, get some local insight there from you. Of course, they draft Justin Fields mm -hmm. out of what, what school did he go to them all? The, the Ohio State <laughs> University. Yeah, so Justin Fields, I mean, that's the big offseason story. Andy yeah. Dalton, they signed him for a lot of money. Are you really going to go to the Red Rifle to start the season, or do you think they're going to bring in the rookie? I, I think they have to start Andy Dalton. One year, $10 million to come over after a $7, uh, $7 million contract for his one year in Dallas, right? And so, remember, he was QB1 before the draft. And then when they went ahead and Justin Fields was available, they traded up to 11 to get him. I think that changed their plans a little bit. But I was looking at those future odds, who's going to be the week one starting quarterback. 
And really, barring injury, the sense I get there is management just does not want to go to Justin Fields in week one. So you say, well, Andy Dalton, if he outperforms him, I don't think that really matters in week one. Now, an injury changes things, but they still have Nick Foles. And so I think instead of throwing the kid in against Aaron Donald Mm -hmm. and that Rams defense week one on the road and possibly getting him a little bit shell-shocked, I really think there's no other way than to play Andy Dalton and lay the number that he's going to be the week one starting quarterback. I know the fans, they couldn't be more excited about Justin Fields. And look, I've been there through the Mitch Trubisky disaster. They were excited on draft day. Clearly that didn't work out. They are tenfold with the excitement level for Justin Fields. So the fan base wants it. They will push Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and company to get him in the game. But I just don't see it happening week one. Yeah, the Bears finally have gotten smarter. I've told them, don't draft guys from my high school like Trubisky. They become unsuccessful like myself. High school guy with Trubisky? You you take guys from my college and you will be successful. Absolutely. That's (laughs) why I love the point you made, though, with Dalton here. It's going to be only an injury that replaces him and potentially could be Nick Foles at 25-1. to I, I understand the appreciation of the affinity for Justin Fields, but do you think with the Bears in the current situation with Ryan Pace and, of course, with Matt Nagy needing to win immediately, we could see a switch if things don't go on track early on? I actually think you can see the switch if things go well. Yeah. I think you could have a Tua Tungavailoa situation in Miami like we saw last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick where they actually got off to a decent start, right? And then all of a sudden you go, why are you switching quarterbacks in Miami? Because they look at the ceiling and they said the ceiling was just so much higher with Tua Tungavailoa. They had to make the change. 10-win 10, 10 football team in Miami didn't make the postseason, but they had to go to that plan B. I think if they get off to a good start, I looked at the schedule here. I think they're going to be favored in two of their first four games. They'll be underdogs week one in L.A. to the Rams for good reason. They'll be underdogs week three when they go on the road to Cleveland. Uh, Week two, they've got Cincinnati in town. Week four, they've got Detroit. So let's theoretically say they go two and two out of the gate. And you get what you can get out of Andy Dalton. I think that would be a, a prime time before you go to the Raiders in week five to make a move to the rookie. I think he's going to play sooner than later. I just don't think it's week one. And I don't even know how much, even if they went three and one, that if they're not getting what they get offensively and they think they can maximize, they're going to make that change. This defense is so good that they can hold in these games. And as long as they can get something at Andy Dalton and not turn it over, they've got a shot to go two and two in those first four. But that's when I look to see the change. Yeah, as uh, Dave alluded to, at the Rams, Bengals at home, and then at the Browns, and then Lions at home. But Brady, they're not going to win in Los Angeles. That's the NFC champions right there, the L.A. Rams. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know if I disagree with you. And I, I don't know if I would uh, take the seven points either. I, I'm probably – I mean, look at the divi- look at the difference in the divisions. The a, a NFC West versus the NFC South. I think the NFC West is the most competitive division in football. And, and probably, I mean, you could make a case that the Arizona Cardinals, who many pick la- or to finish last in the NFC West, are better than the Chicago Bears. Let's look at that division, Dave. The Chicago Bears are the third choice at 3-1, to one, and it's kind of competitive there at the top. The Packers are only plus 140. The Vikings at plus 180. The Bears, as I mentioned, at three to one. The Lions, really low, at fifteen to one. Uh, what are your thoughts there on the division? And obviously, this is influenced by what Aaron Rodgers' future holds. But uh, what are your thoughts looking at this market? You nailed it, Brady. The only way that I've never seen more teams' fortunes tied to one guy that doesn't yeah. play for that team. Because if Aaron Rodgers plays, it's the reason why they went to the NFC title game in the last two years. This is a lock. 
for the Packers if 12 plays. But I do some shows with Jordan Palmer, and this isn't inside information. He actually said it live on my show. He said there's no way he's going to play for the Packers this year. Really? Now, he said that on draft day back in April, and he's held through that this summer. Things can change, but I really do feel it's incumbent upon management, Brian Gutekunst, uh, Mark Murphy there in the front office with Green Bay, to try to figure this out. I think it's not a, like a LaFleur problem at all. I think LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers get along just fine. It's the front office. <clears throat> so, excuse me, we get choked up in Chicago when you talk about Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> but, like, if, if Rodgers can't come to some sort of agreement with management, he's not going to play for this team. And if that's the case, then everybody else is in play, even the Lions at 15-1. to 1. If Jared Goff can have, you know, kind of revitalize his career in Detroit, I do think the other teams are in play. If not, this is a layup for the pack at plus 140 if 12 comes back. So that's the unknown when you wager there. But I was looking at that Bears full schedule. And even at plus 300, not knowing what Rodgers is going to do, right. I'm just hard-pressed to find more than seven wins for this team as they are currently constituted. Look, even if Justin Fields is great, up front, this team is pedestrian at best, right? Their skill set offensively, pedestrian at best. Mm -hmm. Really don't have an answer at tight end. Cole Clement, they, they hope, works out uh, second year at a Notre Dame. Allen Robinson, he wanted a long-term deal, didn't get it. Re-signed re for $18 million one year. And I just look at the skill set. You know, they did get some free agent pickups offensively. Uh, Damian Williams coming over from Kansas City to go with David Montgomery. Maybe they can run the ball a little bit better. But they're so porous up front that early on it really doesn't matter who the quarterback is. I just don't see that being the strength of the team. They have to rely on the defense. And if the defense can win them eight, you got a shot at plus 300. But I, I think that's a really a long shot. Dave, right? what do you think is a better bet? And, and future bets are, bet, are based on speculation. Yeah. And we're going to speculate about where Aaron Rodgers is going to end up. Do you think it's, it's a great bet? He's favored to stay with the Packers. Do you say, I'm all in on the Packers plus 140? Or do you say, I think he's not going to go. And I'm going to jump on the Bears at three to one. Okay. Which is a better can bet? Can I go none of the above? Can, <laughs> can I go Vikings? You like, can. If I had to pick here, I trust Mike Zimmer to get that defense fixed in Minnesota. And they're competent enough with, with KCA and with Dalvin Cook in the backfield. And they've got weapons on the outside that they're good enough. And, again, trusting the defense gets better. That if Aaron Rodgers isn't green, in Green Bay, they become my favorite there. I just don't trust the Bears offensively yet. Now, the good news is if they go to Justin Fields here, right, with this poor offensive line, he's mobile. So maybe he can make up for things that Andy Dalton and Nick Foles can't do. But right now, if you maybe make a decision, I take the Vikings. That's kind of a tweener. They could still win it with Rodgers, even if he does play for the Green Bay Packers. That's Dave Ross. We're going to roll on here through my guys in the desert, Brady Cannon and Amal Shaw with you on the other side. We're right back at VSIN. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're looking for a hot tip to bet on, Bet Rivers Sportsbook has you covered every day. Go to the Bet Rivers app or betrivers.com and find the game you want to bet on. Tap tips and you'll get instant research for the upcoming matchup. Try it out for baseball, soccer, tennis, and a variety of other sports. And to make your experience even more rewarding, Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and one time playthrough. Bet Rivers is your hometown sportsbook. The offer is valid in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan and Pennsylvania, available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. You must be 21. If you have a gambling problem in Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, call 800-GAMBLER, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, in Colorado, 1-800-522-4700, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, and in Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. The final segment of My Guys in the Desert before we throw it out to Chicago and Danny Burke for Rush Hour. And we've got a local Chicago man in studio with us, kind enough to stick around. Dave Ross with Studio. Again, follow him on Twitter at DRossSports. And, of course, we were talking about the Chicago Bears and the division they reside in, the NFC North and the Aaron Rodgers story. And, Dave, I asked you, you know, based on speculation, are, are we going to just say, hey, it's a no-brainer, Rodgers is going to stay with the Packers, I'm going to bet them to win the division, or do you gamble, you know, to your point, that there's no way he's going to play for the Packers, what have you, and, and let's let's take somebody further down the board. And you kind of went in the middle there with the, with the Vikings, and I think it's a smart play. Whether Rodgers is there or not, right. the Vikings could still win this division at the number of plus 180. Currently, these are the odds at the South Point. I want to take a look at their week one game. They've seen a little steam here. They opened up as three-point favorites on the road at Cincinnati, and it's up to three and a half at a lot of spots all over town here in Las Vegas. 
you're, of course, familiar with the NFC North. Mm -hmm. Would you want to lay three in the hook on the road against Joe Burrow and company? Well, I hate the hook, of course. I wish it was still at three. We know those magic numbers are there for a reason. But I, I do like this team a lot to get off on a better foot than they did last year. If you remember week one last year in the pandemic, they were at home against Green Bay. And they got trucked with no fans. Now they got to start off with uh, enemy fans this time around. But again, I really think this is a make or break year for Kirk Cousins and be, to be paired with Mike Zimmer, right? So this feels like their last hurrah together. And if it doesn't go well in Minnesota, you're going to see big time changes there. They are too good offensively, I think. And again, with some of their, their big weapons on defense getting healthy and getting back this year, that I don't think that they're going to take leaps and bounds grow defensively. So therefore, they can put up 30 points a game offensively. They've got the weapons to do that. So if the defense gets better, I like them week one against Cincinnati. I might play at money line just to win the game. Don't have to worry about that hook in a close game scenario. But, yeah, this is a nine-win team that I see on paper, at least in Minnesota. And if Aaron Rodgers isn't back, nine, ten wins could be good enough to win the division. I tend to agree with you. When you look at this team defensively, they get better, get Kendricks and Barback the linebacker position. They were dealing with injuries last year. I love Daniil Hunter. I think he's one of the most underrated edge rushers yes. in football. Dalvin Cook, can he stay healthy? When you look at the trio of Cook, uh, Adam Thielen and, of course, uh, Jefferson. Cool. This team is dangerous, and it really comes down to can Cousins be effective. I want to go back to the point you made about Mark Murphy and Green Bay. Mm -hmm. You said Jordan Palmer believes he won't be traded, or he'll be traded, excuse me. I believe he won't be traded because Mark Murphy would need a military escort out of the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> yes. you, here's my argument why you can't trade him. In the NBA, when you make trades for draft picks, you never get the value for those players. And I don't think there's a collection of draft picks you're going to be able to acquire. They're going to equate to to what Aaron Rodgers is. And the other problem I have, and I get his frustration with the front office, last wide receiver taken in the first round was what? Javon Walker in mm -hmm. 2002. You've taken one first-round offensive player in the last 10 years, and that's Jordan Love. Not only do you take a quarterback, you take a guy that I don't even believe is going to be that good. And that's the thing. We might have to see the theory. Yeah. Let's see. Jordan Love might have to play. Now, to Jordan Palmer's point, I want to make this clear. He didn't say that he might get traded. He said he won't play for Green Bay. That's so fair. I think the that's scenario fair, is, yeah. is maybe he would sit out. And I, I think Aaron Rodgers... Uh, is at a place in his career where if he feels like for whatever reason he's being slighted by management, that he might just spite them and say, look, $50,000, if I don't show up for training camp, $50,000 to Aaron Rodgers is not going to make him you know, shaking his boots there, right? So I don't expect to see him at training camp. And as this goes on longer and longer, Jordan Love's going to get the first team reps in training camp. And as that happens, you know what happens in this league. All of a sudden they're going to go, all right, this guy hasn't been here. We're going to go with the kid in year two. And see what he has. And he was a first-round pick for a reason. So, Maul, they might be in that situation that they have to find out what Jordan Love truly is. You know, I get that Rodgers could sit out, right? But I don't think he'll want to give up the money. Well, that's the, the biggest thing. If he can do without it yeah. and say, all right, I can absolutely just leave it. Le'Veon Bell did it. Now, to his detriment. Right? Correct. Exactly. I'm glad you made that point. To his detriment. His yeah. career has never been the same since. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is obviously a little bit different than Le'Veon Bell, but Le'Veon Bell at the time was regarded as a potential Hall of Fame running back, and we see what's happened since then. So it would be curious to see if Aaron says, I'll sit out for a year, force a trade, and then see what you guys do in this offseason. I want to tell you right now, if I'm the front office and he sits out this year, I wouldn't trade him. I would bench him the next year. And then we could get to that spot. You know what? Let, let the guy suffer. You want to screw us for a year, we're going to do the same thing to you. I can't believe teams don't do this more often. You hold a lot of the cards. Aaron Rodgers is signed through 2023. To me, if I'm Green Bay and he says, I'm not going to play, you're going to screw up the entire year. They've got a chance to make a push to the Super Bowl. My co-host Mike Palm says this all the time. He makes a great point because he 
knows I like the Rams. A lot of people like Tampa. But when you look at the easiest path, mm -hmm. it's arguably Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, which would get them potentially home field advantage. Going to Lambeau in January is never an easy task, despite the fact that the Buccaneers overcame it. I think this is one, look, you figure out a way to resolve this, and you say, listen, we don't care if you show up for training camp. Sure, we know right. you don't want to be there. All the veterans, nobody wants to be there. But at the end of the day, he's the face of your franchise, one of the faces of the league. You've got to figure out an amicable solution. And again, they don't have to find him 50000 but they can. The team right. can choose to do that to kind of set a precedent. And the point, that, to your point, Amal, which surprises me about this whole situation, he signed the extension with Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy. It wasn't like new guys that have come into the building. They've been together for a long time. So to have this angst and have it play out publicly is, is such a bad look for the front office and for Aaron Rodgers. But again, if it's true that he's not going to play, I just don't know what the Packers can do now as we sit here in July that's going to change in a month. Like that, That's the part that I'm trying to figure out. What Excellent would possibly point. change to get Aaron Rodgers to play? Because if so, you jump on it at plus 140 if you know there's going to be some, you know, they're going to have some, some meeting and some dinner and everything's going to be better. I just don't know what that is. Amal, we'll go one step further. Yeah. You talk about the easiest path to the Super Bowl, the playoffs, the NFC Championship, what have you. And I would agree with you. The Packers, you know, it's almost like the Chiefs as a heavy favorite in the AFC West. Now, I think they have better competition behind them. But if the Packers have Aaron Rodgers, they should win that division no problem, yes. right? So let's go a step further, 22 to 1 here at the South Point to win the Super Bowl. Would you go that far? Yeah, absolutely. Because remember, this team is a half away, a bad decision on second and long of throwing the screen pass that they should have eaten, gotten to the locker room, and you're not down by an additional seven points. When you look at this team at 22 to 1, how the hell are the Denver Broncos 25 to 1? No idea. Because they might get that guy we're that's talking it. about. But the, big <laughs> but the problem is you can't make bets on might. Right. The reality of well, it is... Well, that's what I'm saying. You get a bet no, might, think, they no, might, think, might stay with the I, team? I, well, no, I think there's a far greater chance he stays in Green Bay than he gets traded. I think your point on 22 to 1 is excellent. Yeah, no, I, I think he is the favorite to stay in Green Bay, Dan. Right. I, and again, I, I'm just going on, the, on, on my sources and my guys that, that, that know him well. And that's Jordan knows him very well. And so it really raised my eyebrows. I was like, wow, you're saying this live on our draft show. Again, that was in April, but he hasn't come off of that at all. And to that point is, what is going to be said by the Packers front office to make Aaron Rodgers have the come-to-Jesus moment that says, all right, we're good, and let's go ahead and play football again? It doesn't feel like that's happened yet. What do you do with them in week one? They're at New Orleans catching three points. Do you, do you stay a long way away from the game? I do right now. I mean, there's no way I trust Jordan Jordan Love and say, all right, I'm going to take the three on the road in week one. Going and, into the Superdome. Right. I'd rather, have, I'd rather have Jordan Palmer in that game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just a reality. I'll Jordan that. Yes. Yeah. No, it's true. I, listen, he was solid at UTEP. Yeah. It just didn't work out for him when he got to the league. But I'd rather have him than Jordan Love. By the way, don't feel bad. Listen, you're going to get always pushback from me on something I disagree like with. Wayne Larrabee <laughs> was on our show one time, and I asked him point blank. He's the Packers play-by-play -play guy. I said, do you think Mike McCarthy's a good coach? Mm. I don't know how anybody could say yes with a straight Right face. The reality of it is, to me, you just can't trade Aaron Rodgers. Would the Yankees ever have been able to trade Derek Jeter in his prime? And Aaron Rodgers means more to the Packers than Jeter did the Yankees. So my point being is this team is still right there. They are one of four teams, when you shake it out, Kansas City, Tampa, uh, Green Bay, the Rams, and I would put Buffalo number yeah. five, and the Browns probably at six or seven, somewhere in there in terms of getting to the Super Bowl. You can't trade a player of this caliber. The reality of it is, when you look back, his career is similar to what happened in Indianapolis with Peyton Manning. Nobody wants to call out Tony Dungy. Mm. They should have won more Super Bowls than they did.
Yeah, I will agree with you. And you bring up Mike McCarthy, and I think the Dallas Cowboys are a very interesting team this year. We have this perception that they were so bad last year, and they were bad, but they were without Dak Prescott. Now, they get him back this year. I think their draft was pretty decent. Uh, they went heavy on the defensive side of them all. What kind of chance do you give the Cowboys? Well, I like Michael Parsons. Remember, he didn't play in 2019 for Penn State. Terrific edge rusher. He can really do a lot of damage. But again, to your point, defensively, lots of question marks. Their trio at the receiving core is unbelievable. Yeah. But here's the thing nobody's talking about enough of with Dallas. Three years ago, they're the best offensive line mm-hmm. in the NFL. Zeke, as good as he is, you can't run with seven guys on top of you by the time you get two yards past the line of scrimmage. And look at the offensive line a year ago. They lost all their starters and all their backups. They went to third string at just about every position in the O-line. If all of those guys come back, and they're all under contract, if they come back, then they get that first string offensive line back with those weapons on the outside, and Zeke maybe can turn back the clock a little bit, that's a really dangerous offense. Amal, you mentioned that you bet the Washington football team to win the NFC East last year. Congratulations. Good bet. Who would you bet on in that division this year? Washington, because I think Fitzmagic is an upgrade over what they had with Haskins and Alex Smith last year. Uh, To me, this team defensively, you know who doesn't get enough credit is Montez Sweat. Mm -hmm. This guy's unbelievable. When you look at they've got four first-round picks on the line with Payne, Allen, Chase, and, of course, Sweat. This team's a difference maker. Linebacking core in the secondary doesn't have to be as good when you get this type of rush that can get to the quarterback. Although nobody's repeated in the NFC since 2004, which is just bizarre. Wow. And I really love Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. I I think that coaching combo is fantastic. Mr. Ross, thank you so much for stopping Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. Thank you. All right. That is Dave Ross. Check him out on Twitter at DRossSports. He is a uh, studio. He is a host with studio stadium i can't even say it are we in studio with stadium we're gonna get out of here i'm done it's my guys in the desert stick with us at vison the sports betting network Three six five. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play—from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field, whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet Three Six Five. Twenty-one plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call one eight hundred Gambler. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.